All right, let's uh, go ahead and find a seat here. We're going to get started shortly. <clears throat> Great to see you all this morning. Happy Easter. Good to see everyone. We do have um, overflow seating next door. So if it starts to get real crowded or a little bit too close for you guys, we do have overflow seating in the coffee shop next door. And we've got a projection screen over there and you can watch the service there. But it looks like we're going to be good for this morning. Um, welcome to all of you here in the sanctuary. Welcome to everyone online. It's great to see you all this morning. A couple of really quick announcements this morning. Just things that are coming up in the next week or so that I want you to be aware of. Um, one is we have our monthly prayer night this Wednesday night at 6.30 here at the church, and you can also join via Zoom if you prefer. So there's information on the website and in the weekly email about that. And then the other thing I want to mention has to do primarily with parents of young children in here, which we have a lot of. Um, but the kids camp is going to be back in full swing this summer over at Faith Lutheran. Kids camp is basically our vacation Bible school. It's uh, July 18th through the 22nd. And it's in partnership with Faith Lutheran Church, and there will be probably about 300 kids there, but it is kind of first come, first serve, and it will fill up. I can guarantee you it will fill up. So if you want your kids to go to kids camp, make sure you sign up now. There's information in the weekly email, and again, information on the website uh, where you can do that. So make sure you get signed up and registered for that sooner rather than later so you don't miss out on that great opportunity this summer. All right, so let's pray together, and then we will go into a time of worship. Father God, we just, uh, we just love you so much. We are so grateful to be here uh, to celebrate Easter, to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this family, this congregation, and just pray for your blessings upon us today. As we go out to family events and just other opportunities today, we just pray that we would carry the love of Jesus in our hearts and share that with everyone around us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Why don't we stand? Let's sing of his amazing grace today. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free Oh Jesus I sing you've done for me Who 
You took my sheep, buried my burdens in fields of grace. You called me out, lifted me up. How great is your love. From the heights of heaven, you stepped down to earth. Sin perfection gave your life for us, and we are amazed. We stand in awe, for we have been changed by the power of the cross. How great, how great, how great is your
sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. How great. we just proclaim your greatness together on this day. God, how great you are. Would you be glorified in this place today? Would you open our hearts and minds to what you want to say to us, to what you want to show us, God? But God, help us to be truly receptive. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a passion in us to respond boldly in obedience to whatever you have for us, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Why don't we greet one another before you sit, and then kids, you are dismissed. Good morning.
All right, folks, meander back to your seats, if you would. My name's Kevin, one of the pastors here. Welcome to Hillside Community Church. It's good to see faces, new faces, returning faces, faces from Minnesota, got family visiting. So I'm glad you're here. Uh, this morning is a morning of celebration, obviously, um, but before we dig into the celebration, I think it's important for us to remember the incredible and overwhelming sadness that must have been capturing all the lives of those that thought that Jesus was going to be something different other than someone dying on a cross. So we got to remember back that there was a moment in time people thought that Jesus was going to be on the throne. He was going to be ruling in a way that they believed was going to change everything. And instead, Jesus hangs on a cross much like this, one of the most horrific deaths that the Romans could devise. Like, they were thinking, how could we make this as humanly excruciating and long-lasting as possible? And that's what the crucifixion is. The crucifixion was set aside for heinous criminals. It was set aside for people that were trying to overthrow Rome, and they instituted it to make it as awful as possible. So for the disciples... Before sunrise, it probably felt a lot like hopelessness. Their dreams were shattered. And they, for the past few days, were in silence and darkness. Their meaning, their purpose, and their identity had literally been ripped from them in this moment. Or so they thought. So up to the Sunday for them was just another Sunday. They, they woke up anticipating that Sunday was going to look like every other Sunday. It was going to be a place where it's another day of hopelessness, where we see all the wrongs and the fears overtake us. This morning we had our, our sunrise service, and the theme was, do not be afraid. And that's the first thing that the angel said to the women that had gone to the tomb, said, do not be afraid. And it's the very first thing that Jesus said to the women as well when they met him and worshipped him on the road. He said, do not be afraid. But if you're like me, you might find yourself at times like the disciples and followers of Jesus being a little confused. Our perspective sometimes makes us feel as if we're lost, as if evil has prevailed or the devil has some kind of victory in all this. So I, I, I picture this moment where I go back 2,000 years ago, and I walk into the room. So you've got to bear in mind, the disciples, what were they doing at this point? They, they were hiding. Like, they were like, we don't want to be out and about because they're killing people. They're killing Jesus. They're coming after us. Peter 
had denied Jesus three times. And this is the dude that God was going to base his early church upon. And he was denying him. So in the midst of this, I, I picture myself walking into this room with the disciples who are cowering in fear and saying, isn't this a great day? Isn't this just an amazing opportunity that we have today? What do you think they would have said? Yeah, they would have said, you're crazy, man. No, they just, they just crucified Jesus. Like Jesus told us he was going to do all these things for us. He told us he was going to be king. He told us he was going to change everything. And he's on a cross just days before, dead. He wasn't as powerful as he said that he was going to be. So today, our message is this. We're going to talk about the problem, the problem that we face. We're also going to explore the great rescue. Part of what I want you to start doing is seeing your life through the lens of the resurrection. And then we're going to talk about the gospel. I want to make sure everyone in this room truly understands what the gospel is. And then we're going to go over two responses. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that through your great love and graciousness, you've redeemed us. You've sent Jesus to deal with the things that we were never capable of dealing with. That through ourselves, we would continue to be destined, having the wrath of God looming over us. But because of Jesus in this day, his life, his death, and his resurrection, we have redemption. We have hope. We thank you for that. Jesus, as we'll see today, we're thankful that you chose to be obedient, that you answered what the Father wanted of you. And Holy Spirit, thank you for raising Jesus from the dead. I pray that through your power, you would open the eyes of our hearts this morning, and every person in this room would hear very clearly what you need them to hear. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think it looks like this. Here's the problem. Um, if you're a human, you have a lot of circumstances and situations that come at you every day, right? I mean, every single one of us has to wake up in the morning and we've got a list of things to do. And usually about 10 or 15 minutes into it, we realize we've got too much on the list. We're not going to be able to accomplish what we think we're going to be able to accomplish. And then things start changing, right? And so the circumstances and the situations, and then imagine this, like say something awful starts to happen that totally disrupts the way that you think life should be similar to what was going on with the disciples. So in that, their perspective was off. See, Jesus had been telling them all along what exactly was going to happen, but they didn't see it. Instead, in this moment, they found themselves in a place of uncertainty, silence, darkness, hopelessness, frustration, confusion, anxiety, loneliness, and lies. And I think that's the tension for us. And that's where the problem exists, is we wake up and we forget and we do not use the lens of the resurrection in Jesus to see the world that's in front of us. We wake up with feelings of uncertainty, a weight of life dragging us deep into this pit of doubt. Maybe you wonder if anyone really even cares. Maybe you just wonder, how can I keep this anxiety hidden one more day? What if people really knew what was going on in my heart and in my mind. Well, I find myself like that at times. So I, I, I put this picture up there because I, I know there's something good behind it. I know that there is a sun, that there is a light, that there is an image behind this, but these trees for me represent the situations and the circumstances. 
and my perception is off because that's all I tend to see. And when I start looking at the world like this, I can't even see what I need to see in front of me. All I see are the circumstances, the frustrations, the pains. They, they block my view of what I know to be true. And in that, that's where I find myself wrestling with all of these consequences. I'm not seeing what God really wants me to see. And the same was true with the disciples. They weren't seeing what was going on. Even though Jesus said, hey guys, I'm going to be raised again in three days. I'm going to rebuild the temple. They, they didn't hear that the way that they needed to. And I think that's the same for us. That's where our problem starts, is we've got the wrong kind of lens. And this becomes our view, right? I mean, how, how have you feel like this most of the time, where you're just like, I want to see Jesus, but well, bam, it's all right in front of me. And I can't see a single thing. I know that this is the view that I want. I mean, this is beautiful, right? I know that that sun's there, but I'm caught in the midst of what's going on and around me, and it's confusing, and it's frustrating, and it's not unlike what the disciples had to deal with over 2,000 years ago. I mean, there was even a dude that doubted all of this. Remember that? So he comes in, and one of the disciples is like, I don't even, you're standing before me, and I don't even believe you. I have to put my hands into your wounds to even believe. We don't even have that. And yet we do have God's word that directs us exactly where he wants us to go. So one of my salvation verses, um, one that makes a whole bunch of sense to me. See, for a while I was living in a place of selfishness. It was a dark place. It was based upon what I wanted. So the decisions that I made were based upon what brought me pleasure. And so I went through life in a way that it didn't really necessarily matter how it might affect the people around me. I just did it because it made me in that moment feel what I wanted to feel. And through that, I found I was going deeper and deeper into this darkness. And quite frankly, it was exhausting. And it ultimately found me in a pit of self-destruction, pain, and basically that whole list of things I listed before. That's where I was. And then in the midst of all of it, I rediscovered Jesus. He rescued me and started the ongoing process of me now seeing the world in a completely different way. Not just through my lens, but through his lens. Not just based upon how it affects me, but based upon how God wants us to see it. So in the midst of that, everything, my life, everyone, started to be impacted by the way that I experienced my Lord through his lens. That verse was this, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He says that he has rescued me. He rescues us from the dominion of darkness and brings us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. So I was no longer in darkness. Jesus literally reached in and pulled me out of the pit that I was continuing to dig and build by myself. And he said, no, I am not comfortable allowing you to just stay there. He brought this majestic and powerful kingdom view into my life. I started to follow Jesus, not just know who he is. Like today, everyone here knows that we're talking about Jesus, right? Jesus is this guy that died on Christ. But I'm talking about him being the Lord of your life, the one that starts to dictate your decisions. He is in control, and he guides the way that you move. So in this, my sins 
no longer defined me. I was redeemed. So can you. So in that redemption, in being brought into this new kingdom, I developed a new perspective. And it was hard. Because the things don't stop coming at you. Life does not stop in the midst of rediscovering and being rescued. You still have to make choices every day. But in those choices of living in this new kingdom, that perspective started to bring certainty, clarity, truth, freedom, calmness, hope, and love. And this is how Jesus answers that problem. He says, I can rescue you. If you've been here trying to do it on your own, it will not lead to a different outcome. If you want a different result, then you need to start trusting Jesus. You need to allow him to be the Lord of your life. You need to start seeing this world through the lens of the resurrection and not just your junk. The resurrection of Jesus becomes the turning point. It's the moment in history that the new perspective and new change affects everything around you. So the next question is, do you believe it? Do you really believe that? Are you, just, are you here or do you believe that Jesus Christ and his resurrection changes everything? Does it become your new view, your new filter, the way you process, the way you ponder, the way that you dream about the future, the way you anchor your decisions? Are you living in a rescued way or are you living in the past? Well, I want to answer the how. How do you get to that point? And I think it's nice because Jesus, as I said before, is not comfortable leaving us in that place. He's chose to give us an option. And this is explained throughout the entirety of the Bible. It's why the Bible exists. To tell the story of the redemptive nature of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from the very beginning to the very end. And everything in between is designed to reveal to you that Jesus is the Savior. He is the Messiah. And he is the only way to find peace and comfort in the world. So for a lot of you here, maybe you're here because you just need to be reminded. Like, just, hey, I just want to remind you that Jesus is your Lord. Or maybe some of you just need to be encouraged today. Maybe you just need to have that encouragement that, that says, oh, yeah, yes, okay, good. But maybe you need to be pushed back in that relationship. Maybe you need to have that moment where today becomes that nudge, that redirection, that, hey, you're kind of off course. I know you know who Jesus is, but let's get back on course. Or maybe you're here today, and this will be the first moment in your life that you choose to follow Jesus. Maybe you've never made that commitment, and today might be that day that you say, I want that. I want to follow the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want him to be Lord. And so here's what Jesus says from his own words. John 14, 6. I am the way. If you don't know where to go, he's saying it very clearly. I am the way. If you want to go to heaven, Jesus says, I am that way. And then in the midst of all of the things that we have to contend with around truth, Jesus says, I am the truth. There's no other truth outside of me. If you want life, Jesus says, I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no, other, in, in no one else. 
for there was no one named under, under heaven given by, to men by which men can be saved. So in both of these verses, Jesus basically declares God's mystery. He helps us to understand it in a very plain and simple way. You don't have to go looking around. Like, this, this is it. So in the midst of this right now, there's no, like, additional recipe that you need to understand. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts, it declares that there is no other means to salvation except through Jesus. Jesus is the resurrection. And that's how we find ourselves in this new position, where we start seeing the world through the resurrection as recreated beings, children of God. And you too can find yourself in that place. So whatever category you were in, encouragement, reminder, that nudge back, or that first time that you want to receive, we all need to respond today to what the way, the truth, and the life really is. So if you go back to the problem and you go back to the solution, there are consequences in both, right? I mean, just in life. You, you, you do life, you make decisions, there's consequences. Sometimes those consequences are good, sometimes they're bad. And the same is true here. So when you look at this, you're either living in this reality and it's shaping your understanding of your story, your past, your now, and what tomorrow looks like. So if you believe that Jesus is your Lord, then you recognize that that's the filter. You recognize that tomorrow morning when you wake up, no matter what happens today, no matter what happened last week or last month, he is still the way. His way is based on the truth, and through him comes life. But if you're filling it with other kinds of explanations, then you're going to find yourself hopeless, confused, and continuing to go down these roads of ongoing sin and perpetual wondering. The replacement ways, the alternative truths, the empty hope. See, I think we all have what's called a God-sized hole in us. And there's really only one way to fill it. And that's actually by bringing God into that hole. And if, if we're trying so hard to fill that with so many other things in this life, aren't we? I mean, there's so many things that we're trying to do to maybe bandage that or hide that. But there's only one way to fill it. And it's that, it's that gut-richy feeling when you're dealing with life. It just feels like someone punched you in the gut. And the only way to remedy that is through recognizing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And I think we all sway from it, maybe a degree or two. But the goal in this is just to make sure that we're reminded and encouraged to get back to this. So that today, instead of in the original slide where it's just another Sunday, today is Resurrection Sunday. And when I say to you, he is risen, he is risen, and that's what brings our profession into the reality. We walk around, I mean, do we say this on a regular basis? I don't, I forget sometimes. I just forget the reality of who God is in my life, and I allow that tree image to be what I wake up to and what I go to bed with. I start to see all of the problems, and if you just sit back and you start to try to figure out how to put Christ in the middle of all that, I find that my view becomes different. So I'm going to give you two responses today. Two responses that we can take and we can maybe say, here's what I want to go, go forth from from today's service. And the first one is found in Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is in your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So two different angles here. We're going to talk about the confession and then the belief. Now, with the confession, it's basically you just being able to, with your mouth, say, Jesus is Lord. Say it to the people around you. Say it to your husband and your wife and your kids. Say it, saying it to the people that you work with and that you bike ride with, that you play games with, that you hang out with. Now, I want to make sure we're clear on this. Speaking and confessing is not a prerequisite to salvation. It's an assertion, a statement of already establishing your belief in Jesus. It's not a means, but it's evidence of salvation. Does that make sense? So you don't get saved by just saying, I believe in Jesus. You're saved, and because you're saved, you want to tell everyone that you're saved because I believe in Jesus. It becomes this voice that echoes not just in your words, but your actions, the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, the way that you spend your days. It becomes a reflection that Jesus is Lord. So it's interesting here. So the word confession. I think if you look at NIV, NIV changes it to declare. And so confession really is, it's kind of a definition of terms like, I confess my guilt to something, and it's, it's almost an acknowledgement of something in a reluctant kind of way. Something that you might be almost ashamed of or embarrassed by. So you got to bear in mind what was going on back then. If you confessed that Jesus is your Lord, what might you face? They're not throwing a party for you. I'm just going to tell you. So in the Roman times, if you're walking around professing that Jesus is your Lord, what might happen? You might get in trouble, right? You, you might get stoned, you might get killed, you might get put in jail, you might end up on a cross just like this, which happened to many people. So to make that confession, it is, at that time, it probably was a little timid, right? You're like, I don't know, man, there's a lot of risk to this. If I start telling the people that I confess that Jesus is my Lord, what might they do? What might they think? Not too unlike today, right? I think it's, there's a little risk to confessing it. I don't think anyone's going to kill you in the United States if you confess that. They will in other countries. They absolutely will. There are places right now where Christians are being persecuted because they make this assertion. Because they convert, convert from another religion and they say, Jesus is Lord. And they say, you're going to die. But I think even for us, we do have some things that we're afraid of to speak these words out loud and to allow our lives to truly be anchored through this lens of res the resurrection. But in it, I think that's a response we have to consider. Are we embarrassed of Jesus? Are we ashamed? I mean, it seems a little crazy, right? We really believe he's the resurrection. If we really believe he is the only way to salvation, what in the world are we ashamed of? If we really knew the consequences, are we really embarrassed? So the first, is your life a reflection of Jesus? Are you professing it? Do the people around you know that Jesus is your Lord? The next part of this is the believing part. It's the believing in your heart, and I think that's the place where your decisions are made. The heart is kind of like that motherboard. Is that the right term? That controls computers close enough? All right. The, the motherboard for which we make decisions. 
So I think that's the place that if we really believe it, I think a lot of people might say it, but their actions sure do not represent it. But if we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we will again be proclaiming that we're saved. I put a bunch. These are small and you probably can't read them all, but it's just this progression of the things that we believe. And I believe that Jesus died for my sins. There's no other way to rectify this sin issue. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus is the only way to deal with sin. He died to forgive your sins. So this is really important as we move into the next response. Just that understanding that our sins are why Jesus needed to come and die. My sins. The sins of the past. The sins that I know of today. And even the sins that I haven't yet even committed. That even in that, Jesus chose to die. Which just is overwhelming to me. Because I know my junk. If I start looking around this room, we've probably got a lot of junk in here, right? There's a lot of things that we've done wrong. You can't out Jesus. No sin in this room is going to, yeah, I'm sorry, no. I'm going to deal with all of, the, all of yours, but Kevin, yours is the worst, and I'm sorry. No. The redemptive work on the cross managed all of the sin. It dealt with everything that you've done, everything that I've done, and Jesus knew it. Like he's literally being led to the cross and he knew what you were going to do and still chose to forgive you. The second response in this resurrection story is this. And this is where you guys are going to get a little involved. How do we approach the cross? And so I've heard a lot of different things around this morning, you know, when you're celebrating the resurrection Sunday and Easter. And, and, and I think that there's some confusion around just why do we even have the cross and how do we approach the cross? Well, I want to make one thing very clear. That you did not put Jesus on the cross. Jesus needed to deal with your sin. But you didn't put him there. You don't get to tell Jesus what to do. Jesus decided all on his own because he loved you. And he knew that, that was the only way to deal with sin. Satan did not put Jesus on the cross. Like, Jesus wasn't this weak being, being maneuvered by Satan. Oh, I'm just going where Satan... No! Satan might have thought that. He might have thought, giddy up, I'm killing Jesus. I know what's going on here. I've got him. He's dead. I've won. We're victorious. No. Satan didn't even put Jesus on the cross. This is John 14. Jesus says, I will say much more to you. For the prince of this world is coming. Now, you remember Satan had entered in through Judas, and he was literally coming to get Jesus. Like Jesus was being portrayed and sinner and Satan was in him and he's saying the, the enemy of this world, the ruler is coming after me, but he's got no hold on me. Very clearly Satan is coming, but I'm choosing to do this. He's got no hold over who I am, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the father and do exactly what my father has commanded me to do. So Jesus states right here, I am going to the cross because the Father does, requires it. Sin requires it. So yes, your sin is part of the equation, but Jesus is putting himself on the cross because he wants to honor and glorify and do exactly what the Father has asked of him. So as we come here, you guys all have pads of paper in front of you or under your seats, pens. And so as we come and do this, I want you to be aware that you nailing this stuff to the cross is not you putting Jesus on the cross. 
but it's you recognizing that Jesus is taking the burden of your sin away. He's taking the frustrations and pains from you. He's addressing the things that you need to be praying about. Like on this card, you could be writing many things. You could be saying, I, I, I want to cry out in repentance today. Maybe you got junk that's been going on in your life and you just want to confess it to God. You want to write that down. Now, bear in mind, no one's going to ever read these. These will go into a trash bag and go to the trash. Don't put your name on it. I mean, that kind of thing. Um, but this is not something we're going to collect and, and do anything with other than throw away. Because really, in a lot of ways, that's what Jesus has done with our sins. Now, on the other side, maybe there's some thanksgiving that you want to bring forward. Thank you, Lord. Like, maybe you're realizing right now just this overwhelming fact that God has forgiven you. And you just want to say, thank you, Lord. So that's what you're going to write down. Or maybe you just want to ask him for help in an area of life. Maybe there's something going on specific that's just overwhelming you so much that you don't even know what to do with. I want you to write that onto your card. And over the next couple of minutes, we're going to worship. Um, I want you to come up. I want you to come up and there's nails in these bowls and there's plenty of hammers thanks to DT Construct. A little plug for you. And so... I'm just kidding. Thanks to Dan Timkey. <laughs> and so in this, I just want you to take a sec. Ponder what it is that God's doing in your world. Is it an area of repentance? Do you need to confess some sins? Is it an area of, oh God, I just, I need help in this area. Write it down. Pray over it. Bring it forward. Grab a nail, fold it in half, however you want to. Fold it in threes, fours, so it's nice and tight. I want you to nail it to one of these crosses. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he should give his only son To make a wretch his treasure How great the pain of searing loss The father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory
His dying breath has bought me life I know that it is finished I will not boast in Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer But this I know with all my heart His wounds have paid my ransom
Let him speak to us in this quietness. Ah. Uh-huh. 
believe that. Help us believe in what we say we believe. Help us believe in you, Lord, in your love for us, God. God, would you silence the lies of the enemy that would tell us otherwise? declare that we believe and Lord would you help us with our unbelief God as we struggle with doubt and fear we choose to believe we make that choice together and declare that together that we believe in you set us free. We're no longer slaves. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we stand if you're not standing already? Let's close with this song.
of ways It was my turn Till I met you I was breathing but not alive All my failures I tried to hide It was my Happy Easter.